Welcome to another episode of Books That Make Us Better. My name is Kayla Joe. My name is Megan. I'm Lydia. And I'm Jesse. And we have made it to episode five. Um, are we starting a whole new part this week? It's a whole new. We're on, on part three. Dirt roads and autobahns. And uh, I... Okay, this is going to be a controversial statement, but I... In these next chapters, I feel like the le- the takeaway lessons are a little easier to roll with. I agree. Yeah. I I'm glad you agree. brought it up because I told Michael before I started just like two minutes ago, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to retract some things that I said. Uh, and I, I feel okay about it. Like, I think that's very... It's okay to be raw and vulnerable and but also to be open-minded like I wasn't gonna let it stop me mm-hmm. from liking him and just continue to be like okay I don't like you I don't like anything that you're talking about this isn't I'm just gonna continue to live in this space but I start every section with like okay let's new fresh start and this is where I'm like all right I get it all right all right all right like I'm okay with it I'm on board keep it up don't let me down now so the moral of the story is Jesse is open and raw dog and green lights and right now in part three (laughs) do we ooh do we say raw dog I said it I'm not taking it back after the things I have to talk about in this section we can say anything and I was not I mean I was okay with the parts that I I know I'm like why me why the school teacher why does she have to talk about these things it should always be you I just want to say that somebody else could have made that I'm gonna do it from now on because I'm like, why do I get stuck with this stuff? I'm, I'm just kidding. Just, I'm joking. If you don't like it, do it. No, I do. I don't care. Actually, I like the surprise. Wait, so you're raw dogging from now on? No, I'm going rogue. No, uh, I don't know. Rogue, I just, rogue raw dog? Rogue? Oh, I can't even rogue? say that. Rogue, rogue raw dog. Raw I don't dog? Think that's a diet coach, I should Kayla. be. I should be a radio personality. personality. My diction is perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to talk about this. I think there's more to take out of it. And I think I am better understanding him as a person now. I don't feel as though he's quite as full of shit in this particular section. It does um, It does feel more true. Yeah. Yes. And makes me, it made me think a lot more about myself too and like how I look at things. So I was like, okay, here we are. We're here. We've arrived. <laughs> just right. Yeah. Matthew yeah. McConaughey making us think. Well, yeah. let's do it. Let's take let's it away. In. We believe the power to change lives is within ourselves. We believe with the right attitude, anything can be accomplished. We believe the amount of knowledge and insight available is limitless. But we don't think life should be taken too seriously. Books that make us better. An alpha media podcast. Um, yeah, so we start with, um, we're in, Matthew McConaughey has come off of his Australia trip and he is now breaking into college time. So while he was in Australia, he'd been applying to colleges, um, and his family and him had all decided he was going to be a lawyer. Like it was kind of a joke, but I guess he was a great debater. Um, good, good at arguing. Um, so which I could see, honestly. Um, so he has decided that he's going to go to SMU. I don't even know what the hell that stands for. Southern Methodist, maybe university. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's a private college. Um, it's in Dallas. And so he decided that he's going to do that because he thought 
his opportunities to be in a law firm, like intern at a law firm would be really good. Um, so his dad calls him one night randomly after he's made this decision before he's there. And he's like, Hey, are you sure you don't want to be a longhorn? Which I guess his dad only called the colleges by their mascots for whatever reason. Um, anyway, so that's university of Texas. And Matthew's like, no, I'm going to be a Mustang at SMU. And I'm pretty sure. And so his dad's just like, you know, kind of, it seems upset by it, but like, just let it go. And then like an hour later his middle or younger brother, middle brother, the middle brother, Pat calls and is like, Hey, you sure you don't want to be a Texas Longhorn? And he's like, what? Yeah, I don't want to do that. Why are you guys asking me that? And then his Pat like levels with them and tells him the truth. And is like, Hey, dad's not going to tell you this, but oil company oil is bad. Dad's trying to stay out of bankruptcy. Um, but if you go to your private school, it's going to be 18 grand a year. Uh, but if you go to UT, it's public. So it's only going to be five grand a year. And Matthew's like, Oh shit. Didn't even know that. Okay. And so he, you know, was like, Oh, Gosh, I had no idea and changes his mind. Um, but I did highlight this one part because I don't know. I liked what the way that Pat described Austin. Um, I've I've never been, so if someone can confirm, fine. He's like, Have you ever been to Boston? And Matt's like, No. And Pat says, Well, you're gonna love it, buddy. It's your kind of town. You can walk into any bar in your flip-flops, have a seat at a bar, and you'll have a cowboy to the right of you, a lesbian to your left, and an Indian on the other side, and a midget tendon bar. All you got to be is yourself in that town, which I love that like description of just just be yourself in that town. Um, so the next day he changes his mind, calls his dad um, and switches to UT. Um, but he never told his dad, you know, why. Um, and so he ends that little section with this bumper sticker. <clears throat> when we know what we want to do, knowing when to do it is the hard part. Get them early so you don't have to get them as often. Prevent before the cure. Habilitate before the re. So, um, I don't know. I just, I think my, my takeaway from that was like, I'm, I wish that his dad would have just been honest with him, but I'm glad that somebody was honest and that he ended up being like, oh, oh, I had no idea. So I'm going to be, you know, I can be chill about this. It doesn't matter. I can find my opportunities wherever. So that's him deciding to go to UT. Um, then he is at UT. We're in the next section and, um, He's in a fraternity. He's planning to become a lawyer. Um, but he's still like, he's having some misgivings because it's going to take a long time. And he's not sure that he wants to spend all of his 20s like training to be something that he will only be just beginning in his 30s. And you know, like, you know, about lawyers, like, they don't um, like to become a partner or whatever. Like, you have to be working for so long to do this. And he's just not sure that that's the kind of time that he was thinking he would commit. Um, so he's just been writing these random short stories to a friend and he's been sending him um, or to a friend in New York at NYU. And his friend is like, Hey, these are really good. Like, have you ever thought about going to film school? You're a really good storyteller, but Matthew just like, can't even wrap his head around that. He's like, no, like what? It's way too artsy fartsy. You can't do that. Um, so he, but he's been this like really good student this whole time. So he goes to a friend's house to study and they have a book that he comes across after like, he's pretty much procrastinating, should be studying, decides he doesn't want to. Um, and he comes across this book called the greatest salesman in the world. And this book is essentially saying like, <clears throat> um, read these 
scrolls, these like life lessons and read them every day, three times a day for 30 days and like really commit them to memory. And so before he even gets to the first scroll, he's like, well, he has to go to take his test. And he tells his friend, he's like, hey, I'm going to borrow this. And his friend's like, take it. Like, I don't want it. So he finishes his psychology exam, reads the first scroll, and it says, I will form good habits and become their slave. And he decides right then that it's a bad habit for him to be lying to himself and that he doesn't really want to be a lawyer. Uh, he wanted to tell stories. So now he's got to tell his dad. And of course, he's shitting his pants because we have no idea how his dad's going to react to this. Um, and so he calls his dad at a time when he thinks that he's going to be the happiest. And he's like, hey, I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to go to film school. And his dad's like quiet for a second. And he's like, all right, is that what you want to do? And he's Matthew McConaughey's like, yep, that's what I want to do. And his dad's like, OK, well, don't half ass it. And so, of course, he's surprised because his, all the reactions could have been crazy, you know, but instead he's just like, don't half ass it. Like, fine. If you're going to do what you're going to do, but do your best that you can, um, which I love that. Like, that's a that's a really good life lesson. Like, do whatever you want, but don't half ass it. Just go for it. So I don't know. I loved I liked the um, lesson behind that one. I thought it was great. I- yeah, I really I underlined a quote where he said, like, in by saying don't have asset, he not only gave me privilege, but he gave me honor, freedom and responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's like so true, because now you have to own up to it. Like you have the responsibility to not half asset, but you're also saying, hey, go go forth and do this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. man, I need to say that more. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I really. um that actually, I mean, it was a surprise for me, too, because I thought his dad was just going to lay into him. And I mean, coming from my like my background, I went to Iowa State to go into accounting. I thought that's what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to be a CPA. OK, if anyone who knows me, you know, that's not me. Um, but I switched to horticulture and my dad was paying the bill and he was like, what are you going to do with horticulture? And so that's my standard dad, uh, I would say, is like first have a huge emotion and then back up and be like really open about it. It was hilarious because the whole way through college, he'd keep like just finding there would just be little things that would pop up, pop up horticulturally for him in like the newspaper. We'd see something on the news and he'd call and tell me about like, hey, I saw this thing that has to do with horticulture. And I was by then I was like specializing in viticulture. So for grapes and stuff. And he was like, oh, I just read about this vineyard up here or blah, blah, blah. Um, And so finally, like he could see what I could do with horticulture. Um, And then he wanted to like relate and say like, oh, yeah, I found all these things. So I get I get the like freaking out that your dad could have this crazy big emotion um and then they just don't (laughs) and you're like oh okay great thank you (laughs) so yeah i feel like yeah some dads are can be kind of crazy but they in their own way found a way to be supportive so Mm -hmm. yeah so what about the um poem here is that mine or is that yours actually well i can read it the biology and giddy up yeah yeah i like that one too Um, So DNA and work, genetics and willpower, life's a combination. Some get the genes, but never the work ethic or resilience. Others work their ass off, but never had the innate ability. Others have both and never rely on the first. I like that. Me too. Pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I would also like to say that this is why I think it's a bunch of bullshit that we expect kids to pick their per- forever profession at 18 years old. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. Rob and I have talked about this long and hard. Um, in when we were in Germany, um, a lot of people, they do actually decide really early, but they have the opportunity to go on and like learn for a very long time or they can become an apprentice like so young like at 16 you can start apprenticing for different things that you might enjoy but they have so many apprenticeship programs it's not necessary to go and get a degree to do what it is that you love (laughs) you just need the experience and like we wish that apprenticing was like a bigger deal here because that to me like I don't even need a degree in horticulture I could have just apprenticed and I would have been fine like there's something that that I find very valuable about having like chemistry and biology backgrounds, but like, you know, I didn't need those things. There's a fella that I know that, um, he is a surgeon now Mm -hmm. and he grew up in Canada. He finished high school and then he said, I'm going to do some gap years. And he worked at a farm and he was a farmhand for like four years and then said, well, I think I'm going to be a surgeon. (laughs) And then like now he's an excellent surgeon. Um, And so like the fact that he was able to just go do something to, I don't want to say pass the time, but you kind of take the time to learn who you are and what you want and what you like. And then, you know, yeah. I don't know. I think there's something to be said for that. Jesse, I feel like you would have some thoughts on this. Yeah, I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> no, I agree with like, there's a huge push to um, have a more apprenticeship type of like set up to like post-secondary education, but also like in high school. I think we do. A di- I think they did a disservice to like my age group of of students at that time because it was just a you have to get a college degree or you're not going to be anything it was just really pushed into us ingrained into us college 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 and then which I it was done out of a place of like at the time that had the best paying jobs but the reality is that the like work uh world changes so fast and what we need now and what we needed then are very different and you didn't have to go that route and we have a bunch of people with a whole lot of student loan debt that um could have made money even maybe more money without having to take on that debt but there was no education around it there was nobody like beating the drum of building trades, those types of things. And so that's really changed. Like, I love that about um, specifically our school district that we are very like, yes, college is a ch- like is a choice and that's an option. And that's something that, you know, we want to educate students about and we want to help them make the best decisions. But we're also not there just to only show that option. Like there are so many other options and avenues and resources and we just try to exhaust everything and give as much opportunity as possible so that there's exposure all over the place. Um, That's what's nice about like bigger schools sometimes, like because we can provide so much opportunity, like uh, a kid in one day can take an ag class and then a shop class and then an art class and then culinary and then can still be in, you know, core classes that they need, but they get to see all this and they get to make connections with like, what are your passions? Is there a way that something you love that is you would consider just a hobby can make you money instead of like chasing the money instead? Of, you know what I mean? So 
I would like to say that I learned how to make a lamp out of a pop can. But then when my chef friend Jesse says, what kind of rice do you make? I say instant rice. <laughs> because that's uh, all I know. It's all I know. And I've never made a lamp out of a pop can. Since. I know. I agree. I. <laughs> it's so hard because and then I look at someone like Michael, who that's what he did. He did apprenticeship programs. He was 16 years old working at a hotel in London. And that's where he like fell in love with being in the kitchen and the the pressure and the you know everything with it Mm -hmm. so it's like okay well that opportunity isn't as readily available for students in america because that's just not our model like we do have those opportunities but they're it's not as pushed as hard if you you know what i mean did michael ever make a pop can lamp uh, you know, I'm going to have to ask him, but I'm going to go with no on the pop can lamp. <laughs> what a disservice. Clearly, <laughs> he's, he's missed out on a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. <laughs> but then it's just kind of funny because then coming to, so like every, his background is 100% experience and on the job training and, you know, meeting someone, ha- taking an opportunity and then moving on to another opportunity and another opportunity and, and you know, building relationships and all all this and it's served him so well and then to come to the United States and it's like okay well tell us about your education 30 years ago and it's like uh, not significant at all like what does that tell you about what he can do okay that's fair but I will say and this is I'm I'm sorry for what I'm about to say but when I talk to people from other countries um, Tony has a good friend named Phil from Canada and Canada will uh, Phil not Canada as in the country will school me on American history like <laughs> school me mm-hmm. yep. And so that's not to say anything. I know, Jesse, you work in public education, so I'm not trying to slam anyone. But I, especially not you, I'm sure you could teach me how to make some bitch and regular rice. But like, I... The jasmine kind. Yeah, compared to people in other countries, like, they know more about America than I know. And that's, I'm sorry, everybody. They, they know more about, <laughs> like, sorry. geography. Like, I, you could, seriously, I feel like... I feel like an absolute twat when somebody's like, hey, here's the here's the globe. Uh, here's Europe. Can you point to Switzerland? And I'm like, I know the general vicinity, but I don't know where it is. Like Yesterday, I've- we were watching an animal show. Of course we were. And uh, <laughs> it was about China. And then <laughs> I was like, they were zooming in on the globe. And I'm like, memorize this. Memorize. Just look at where everything's at. I probably couldn't tell you where anything's at like today. But I'm like, oh, my God, look at it. Look at it. Look at it. And I'm like, oh, that's where Siberian tigers are from. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. And so um, anyway, I don't know shit. I'm sorry, everybody. I don't know. And I just have a like a very similar experience in my, ed- especially my post-secondary like education. So college, like I, I am a little uh, bitter if I had to pick a word that like, I do not tr- believe Iowa State prepared me for my job. I think what prepared me for my job was being on the job and in it yep. and living it. Yep. And the, my instructors were not teachers for a very long time. They were very motivated by getting a higher degree, getting a better position and lack the experience to really teach it from a place of I've been, I've been there. Mm -hmm. And so then that produced a bunch of, uh, you know, graduates that were going into situations that were never discussed or talked about because the, the, 
professors themselves lack that experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to see and watch and then also get phone calls every month about donate to Iowa State. I'm like, no, no, you donate to me because I paid you (laughs) $50,000 to make me good at my job and you gave me crap. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm I'm so sorry. I was no. Actually, I'm not sorry. I mean, like I get you 100% on that because my like. I'm glad that my program pushed internships as hard as they did. They were constantly like my um, advisor had everybody on this big email list and was like internship opportunity, like almost daily. So you, you didn't miss out. I'm glad they pushed that because my classes were not getting me there. Those like, I needed the experience to first off, even know like, there's so many parts of horticulture. How would I know like where I wanted to go if I didn't go try it? So like, I tried public horticulture and I really did like that. I thought I was going to land there. Um, but in the end, like I did uh, two summers of vineyard work and that's where I landed in the end because that that's what I really love. But I wouldn't have known that just from mm-hmm. classes. There weren't even any vineyard classes when well, I was there. Yeah. So to that point, we took all kinds of classes with my radio degree. And I can tell you that I don't remember shit from hardly any of those classes, but everything I remember is from the college radio station of actually getting on the air and just doing it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I, <laughs> those classes, you know what I remember about college? I remember walking to the cafeteria to get cheese fries. That's what I remember. <laughs> and um, being on air. And so anyway, 15 years later, that's what I still do. But it's like, it's so true. You don't learn it hardly as much mm-hmm. sitting in a classroom and listening to lectures as you do from, you know, pushing the microphone on button and just doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we get so caught up to in education that like learning has to be so tracked by standardized tests and data and all this. And like, you can have authentic learning experiences and, you know, something like a journal about those experiences is just as much learning as your bubbled in she on a standardized test. Like, I don't know. We get very caught up in this. Uh, I don't know, in my opinion, like chasing data all the time. And now that you can still get data, really good data from, you know, a journal or reflections and those types of things. It's just we, ch- we choose to use the other. Like, I just, if we would just sit down and like have conversations with kids and ask them about, you know, their thinking and their learning, I think you get more than thanks for your Scantron. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't All know. Right. I, yeah. Sorry. We're getting a little bit. I know we did. We kind of okay. lost ourselves, I but mean, I agree. I did feel like this was good discussion. So on, it was on point. Yeah. And, and you know who led us there? Matthew McConaughey. Matthew. God damn it. Matthew. <laughs> <OMG>. Matthew. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you're good. Okay, For the duration so, of this podcast, we will stay on task. Duration. Duration. Uh, all right. So now Matthew's in film school, and he said that he did not have a short film or a piece of art to audition, but he had a 3.82 GPA, so it got him into into film school, but it also got him into the honors program. So this, I I don't know, I really loved this little chapter um, because he ended up enrolling in like a, 
um, talent agency with this gal named Donna Adams. And she told him upon signing that he had good looking hands. And if he quit biting his nails, he could have a future in the hand modeling business. He said she was right. And I've never bit my nails since. (laughs) So um, I also liked this quote, good looks don't cook the dinner, but they'll get you a seat at the table. So he said he was ready to take advantage of any seat that he could get. So he directed short films in black and white. Um, He edited, he assistant directed other classmates films. Like he basically plunged himself into this and did whatever he could um, to hustle for film school. So then basically he was skipping a lot of the actual classes because he was um, doing the experience portion of this. And so the Dean reached out to him and he said, you and I both know that the degree in film production doesn't mean squat to the studio heads in Hollywood and New York city. um, So basically he said, you got to be there. You got to be in school. We, you have to have the attendance. And he said, the only reason I'm skipping class is to go out into the world and try to make something um, essentially of himself. So, Hey, how about you just give me some C's? And the guy didn't respond, but Matt stuck to the proposal. Matt, we're on a nickname basis now, I guess. <laughs> and um, he kept skipping class. And at the end, he got C's on all of his classes. (laughs) So basically, like, he did what we were talking about. Like, he was like, fuck the classroom stuff. I'm going to go out into the real world. I'm going to hustle and do this shit. And um, he did it. Like, we all know who Matthew McConaughey is at this point. So obviously, that worked out for him. So then we have a little bumper sticker that says, I'll take a little common sense with that knowledge, which I think is kind of interesting. Um. So we're moving on to the next chapter or portion where he talks about how he was an outcast in every way. So he was the only frat guy in film school. He wore boots, um, pressed button down, tucked in, tan, affable, non-neurotic, and everybody else in film school wore black. They were pale, goth. They huddled together in private corners. (laughs) Um, And they would always go, or Matthew would always go to the Metroplex and see the blockbusters. Then he would come in on Monday and say, hey, I saw Die Hard this weekend. and," And then one of the other guys would always say, nah, that shit sucks, man. That shit, it sucks. So basically, he told them that, like, just because it's popular doesn't mean that it sucks. And um, he said, fuck y'all. Fuck y'all for saying something to shit just because it's popular. And then he tucked his shirts back in because he quit tucking his shirt in for a while to fit in. And then he kind of discovered, like, hey, this is what I like. And I'm going to be myself. So I don't know. Uh, that one was kind of short, but I liked it. So then we go into, um, is this considered a poem? Oh, gosh, this is lengthy. I don't want to read this whole thing. You don't have to. No, I wouldn't. We'll lose people if you read that whole thing. Yeah. I agree. They will They will leave. They will. If Keenan tries to read something to me, I'm like, no, give it to me. I will okay. read it myself. So we're all comfortable if I pass this? Yes. Okay. Okay. So um, if you're very... <laughs> if you're interested in this portion, look up um, Tribes. It's <clears throat> on page 99. Or so, 100 if you have the, the book. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Lydia. Good no on problem. you, girl. So this um, next part, I think, is... I don't know. I liked it. It was endearing. He said that he was fascinated with the differences between peoples and cultures. And um, they would often go to this 
was this like a restaurant or a bar um, called the Catfish Station. So it was an all black sweaty bar that sold catfish, beer, and played the blues. He said it was always standing room only. Um, and he just really liked it there. So he went up to one of the guys, one of the bartenders, I think, and said, um, hey, I need the cash and I like the music in here. And the guy said, all right, you crazy motherfucker, pulling out a pen. He wrote on a receipt, go to this address Tuesday morning at nine and ask for Homer. He's the owner. I'll let him know you're coming. Uh, so he did. He went to the place. He walked in. He saw a guy. He said, Homer. And the guy didn't move. And he said, Homer Hill, a bit louder. The man at the bar turned his head over his right soldier shoulder like he'd been interrupted. He said, yep, that's me. He said, I'm Matthew. Laren told me to come here and see you. I want to be a waiter at the catfish station. So basically the guy was like, oh, yeah, well, grab him up. Go with Carl to clean the men's room, <laughs> which is like the weirdest um, way. I mean. I don't know. He didn't ever really talk to him. He just basically said, go grab this mop and get to work. So then he ended up meeting a gal named Tina. Is that right? Is that right in my brain? Tammy. Tammy. So no, it wasn't. There's Tammy's name. Okay. So she was a hot to trot waitress. She was the queen bee. She ran the floor. And now basically Matthew came into this bar and he's trespassing on her territory and her tips. But he said for the next three nights, Tammy initiated me where to clock in for work, how to run the register, how to place orders with the cooks, what to tip at the end of the night and which tables would soon be mine and which high tipping customers I best not even look at. So Tammy like ran the whole show. I just wanted to call her Tina again, by the way, but it is. Tammy. So he started waiting tables for real. He said that he usually cleared $32. Tammy made 98. And so I I think a lot of people wanted to get with Tammy. Yeah, he described it like that. Yeah. Uh, And Matthew never did. So just if anyone's wondering. They didn't hook up. Is he bitter? Do you think he's bitter? They didn't do it. I don't know. I mean, he's writing about it, so I feel like he's still thinking about it. I write? Uh, It made the book, so... uh, I I just also want to know how Tammy feels right now hearing this story. I kind of do, too. Matthew McConaughey talking about how he didn't shag you and and wished he would. Yeah, I like that it made the whole book. (laughs) But he did say at the end of that that um, he and Homer are buddies, and they just went to a Longhorn game last season together, so that's cute. That is very cute. And then is this next one mine? This one's a little shorter, but I'm comfortable with whatever direction we're taking this. The poem, yeah. Yeah. The poem's mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this I like. He said, we are not here to tolerate our differences. We are here to accept them. We are not here to celebrate our sameness. We are here to salute our distinctions. We are not born into equal circumstances with equal abilities, but we should have equal opportunity. As individuals, we unite in our values. Celebrate that. I like that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like short and sweet. I like the little good sense poems or bumper stickers or whatever they are. I like them. And I also like that Matthew acknowledges like he's a very good looking man, but he doesn't rely on his good looks to get him through life. He actually has that work ethic to hustle and, and always be uh, better than he was, you know, the day prior. And 
because I feel like that's an important thing to like acknowledge. I mean, and he also acknowledges the privileges he has, but yet doesn't act like he needs to, you know, rely on those either. I like that about him. He's not, um, he's not, you know, ignorant to those parts of his life. But also even to just acknowledge that, like I've lost um, a lot of weight and I can confirm people are nicer to you when you are a certain look and a certain size. I know. That, like, that's just how it goes. People are nicer. Yeah. <clears throat> Shit. Mm-hmm. Shit. <laughs> yeah, girl. Just nonsense. <laughs> Is this still me? No. No, it's me. Oh, thank God. Because I didn't refresh my brain that far. So I'm like, guys, we're fucked. <laughs> mayday, mayday. Mayday, SOS, SOS. So in the next part of the next part of the part, um, Matthew meets Don Phillips, who ends up being the producer of the first movie that he's ever in, Dazed and Confused. And he meets Don Phillips at a Hyatt bar that his one of his friends from college was bartending at. And he went there with his girlfriend uh, to grab a couple of free drinks. And while his friend was making his drinks, he said, hey, you know, there's a guy at the end of the bar. He's in Austin producing a movie. I want to introduce you to him. So he introduces him to Don Phillips. They end up having a lot in common, uh, golf. And um, I can't remember what else he said that they had in common. Oh, drinks, the vodka tonics that they were drinking. Um, They end up having quite a few cocktails kind of carrying on. And at one point towards the end of the evening, uh, Don starts getting kind of loud. uh, He said with his legendary loud charades uh, of story and the Hyatt didn't take so kindly to that. And I eventually asked them to leave and, and uh, they were unpeacefully escorted out of the Hyatt that night. Um, so Matthew and Don uh, get a cab to Matthew's house to drop him off. And Don brings up that, you know, he's here for this movie and he has this, you know, little part that he was thinking about. Matt, uh, could you, you know, have you ever done any acting? And he said that he had been in a Miller Lite commercial and a Trisha Yearwood music video, which I am dying to find now. What did any? I don't know what it is. What song? I need to see this. Uh, Megan looks no, like she's on her phone. Yeah, someone's okay. looking into this. I can tell by so, the look on everyone's face. I'm going to need mine was, mine was work related. Oh, dang it. it. Knock it off. Who's our Sorry. resident Googler? I need the resident Googler to figure this out. Okay, quick. I'm doing it. Matthew, Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey Trisha. Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, he had no experience, and but he, you know, said he was interested, and Don said, okay, fine. You know, I. I'll have a script ready for you down at the like office. Uh, come pick it up tomorrow at nine thirty. So uh, Matthew goes and picks up the script, um, which ends up being for the role of Wooderson in um, Dazed and Confused. Doesn't really have any lines or anything, but he um, spends a couple of he had two weeks to you know read the script and kind of come up with who this character was. And he talks about the moment in reading the script where. Um, the line that sent him into flight meaning the like i guess he this is how he kind of gets into character there's always some part of the script or a line that he really connects with and and starts to get his ideas for how he's going to play the role and i love this line i've heard a million times um especially because you know dazed and confused was such a big part of uh, my like 
uh, teenage years. People love to watch it. So the line that sent him into flight was uh, that, you know what I love about high school girls? Uh, I get older and they stay the same age. (laughs) (laughs) And so that sent him into flight. And then he had this memory um, of his brother, who his older brother, who his car was getting fixed. And so he and his mom had to go pick him up. And they were going to pick him up in the 77 wood paneled station wagon. So not really the coolest thing, I guess. Um, And, you know, mom and Matthew were searching and searching for Pat, couldn't find him. And Matthew caught him out of like the corner of his eye. And he was standing up against uh, a building over in the smoking section of the school. Schools had smoking sections. What? Um, Oh, I (laughs) would we have vaping sections now? Like if this was still okay? Like, I don't know. I just started to think about that. I'm like, schools had smoking sections. All right. And uh, so he sees his brother and his brother's leaning up against the building and he's smoking a Marlboro looking like James Dean. He's two foot taller than he actually was in Michael's or in Michael's in Matthew's mind. And um, that's where he got the like basically inspiration for Wooderson, the character he played in Dazed and Confused was this image of his brother. Um, So... It just got really quiet. Are we still recording? Am I still on? Oh, it was somebody me. turned their Sorry. mic off. I'm like, oh my me. god, am There's I on? Like... Sorry, I always have to edit a... that out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I like dropped off the face of the earth because it got like dead silent. I'm like, nobody's here. You're still here. We're okay. still here. It's okay. Well, I'll just talk to myself then. I'll just leave mine on. No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he talks about how, you know, that image was like the epitome of cool. And that's what he wanted to portray with Wooderson in, uh, Dazed and Confused. Sound about right so far? Mm-hmm. He's got his bumper sticker about being cool or what cool is. So he says, cool is uh, a natural law. If it was cool for that time, then it was cool for all time. Uh, a fat is just a branch on cool's trunk, a fashionable fling whose 15 minutes came never abide. No matter how long she trends to try, cool stands the test of time because cool never tries. Cool's just cool. Ooh. I felt very dazed and confused as I read that. Mm-hmm. And feels... I like, I heard, I mean, he was reading it to me, but I also like saw the image of Wooderson. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't feel like they ever actually called him Wooderson in the movie, though. I only ever heard like Woody or Wood. I was like, his name was Wooderson? I had no idea. Um, here is Matthew McConaughey in the Trisha Yearwood song. Oh um, yes. Walk Away Joe. Oh. He's the main fucking character. Yes. Look at those pants. He's so cool. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to play this until I get to the, Matthew. like the first time I see him. You got only got to go to 18 seconds in y'all. Whoa. Also music videos from the nineties. Hold on, let me just back up hot second because it's like telling a story and then it cuts to Trisha Yearwood singing like a glamour shot. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is this is great. You guys, okay, those so are sorry. 80s eyebrows, not 90s eyebrows. Eyebrows she, disappeared in the 90s. Maybe in maybe not in the country music scene. Maybe they just No, didn't probably do that. not. 
I was just talking to Keenan last night about how I never got into that, like overplucking your eyebrows. So like the eyebrows I have are the ones I've had in my entire life. They're that. original. You have original, original eyebrows. eyebrows. <laughs> These are originals. And he looked at me and he's like, thank God you never did that. I'm like, I don't even know like I what I would do. No, but, no, mine were always big here, but I did. They did get very skinny on the oh, yeah. ends well, for I that never, time. See, I'm and not that was about bending. it. I don't like I'm not I don't keep up with things and so then I'm never the girl that has like all the it stuff. Well it came back around for you. Yeah. You it guys, mine are tattooed on. Hey, they look what? great. I did not know that. That's great. That's yeah, easy. mine are not real. I lifted my hat up just to show you guys. Um Wait, because, so you do- know, I got you- tired of having my eyebrows wash off in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so do you have no hair or do you have some hair? No, there? I have some, but I just overplucked them and then it never grew back. Oh. So um, last like March, I just went and got them tattooed on. Love that. Huh, they look great. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. I mean, really, guys, it saves me a boatload of time. Yeah. <laughs> they don't wash off. They don't wash off anymore. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't even put mine on. They just stay on. Same. Well, in another life, I'd have my old eyebrows. <laughs> Stop trying to be trendy. <laughs> I'll never do it again. These are stuck. <laughs> yeah, you better like them forever and ever. Yep. Oh, oh, all right. So uh, back to Dazed and Confused. So Matthew has this image of what Wooderson is and who he is and what he looks like. And so he goes to um, the first day of production and the producer um, takes a look at him and can, uh, I guess, Matthew, before he went to production of the movie, like shaved and, and wore his best shirt and, you know, what anybody else would do on the first day of their job. And he gets to the uh, production uh, location and the guy kind of takes a look at him and uh, asks him, you know, uh, you know who you're going to play and, and kind of just is taking him in and says, you know, you're not really the guy that you came here as today are you and Matthew's like no um but I know who you know Wooderson is and so he got the job just kind of based off of his I don't know presence but also saying that like yeah I I got this part and I I know how to play Wooderson and so they told him not to shave and then production um had already been in full swing he was asked to go to makeup and wardrobe and so he did and he got you know approval from everybody for his overall look um, and ends up walking on set and he describes uh, what he's wearing. So he's wearing the peach pants that uh, are iconic from Dazed and Confused. He had a a nude t-shirt and a comb over with a stash and the producer saw noticed a Black Panther tattoo on his forearm and uh, asked him about it and he says, you know, yeah man, you dig it? What do you think? And so he's getting into this role of Wooderson and they start kind of chit-chatting about, okay, well, you know, you didn't really have a line today you don't really have anything that you need to do but they started kind of doing this verbal ping pong that i guess comes to be something that they do often now whenever he's with this particular producer i think his name was richard um and so they start kind of talking about Wooderson and that uh you know originally the idea was like he was only into hot chicks and cheerleaders and you know kind of the it girl but do you at all think that uh Wooderson could be into the redheaded intellectual type and you know matthew was like yeah i think Wooderson's into all girls you know i think he's just kind of this womanizer and so we can make this work so they shoot the scene where cynthia the redheaded intellectual girl from dazed and confused you know is in at the drive 
driving and uh Wooderson pulls up to give her a chat and it's right as he's pulling up that that famous line of all right all right all right comes out because in his head he said he was thinking uh, about all the things that Wooderson loved so he loved cars he loved getting high um he loved rock and roll and he loved girls and has he as he's having this thought they said action and so when he's driving in the car he's basically just talking to him like he is just talking to himself saying all right all right all right because he loves those things so it's just funny that such an iconic like scene and phrase all came out of like him basically like just verbal diarrhea like (laughs) whatever talking himself up (laughs) yeah like a pep talk in this whatever 70s chevelle um And so I I just loved that, that it was so just authentic. I, and I don't mean authentic, but like just off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Like he really just assumed this role and said, I'm going to go for it. So um, you're welcome, America and everyone, for <laughs> his ability to just think on the fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I did like the little part, too, where he talks about like 28 years later, you know, he still sees people, you know, saying it, stealing it, wearing it on hats and t-shirts people getting it tattooed said somebody had it tattooed on his inner thigh or her inner thigh that's interesting to me um and they're still very like meaningful words to him and because those are the first three words of his first job ever on a movie set so um, i don't know i can't imagine people saying three words that i I don't know that's got to be so weird like surreal yeah for sure especially because it was like an accident accidentally famous yeah um the bumper sticker at the end of this green light i like starred and highlighted i really liked it it was called one in a row and it says any success takes one in a row uh do one thing well then another once then once more over and over until the end then it's one in a row again so i think that was kind of he had that success, ends up having that success with Dazed and Confused. I guess it hasn't been made public that it was successful yet in the book, at least. Um, and just went with it and said it worked for me. So then it makes me wonder, like, does he show up to every movie? Like, I don't need a script. Like, I'm just going to say whatever I want. You know, I would. Fuck it. Positive yeah. reinforcement might have yeah. encouraged that. <laughs> I don't know. There's a little thing uh, in the dog training world called positive reinforcement. And it's similar to when like the postman comes up and then dogs bark and the postman leaves. So, or environmental reinforcement. So, um, you know, the dogs think like, oh my God, the postman showed up. I barked and the postman left. So it reinforces to dogs. It's an environmental reinforcer that like, hey, you're doing the right thing. And now I am wondering if Matthew McConaughey's life is just based off of environmental reinforcement. Reinforcement. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh man. That's amazing. We're getting deep. We're getting deep. Lydia, are you okay? Look at Lydia's face. I'm like, like my mind was blown a little bit there. I was like, oh my God. You might be right. (laughs) You might be right. Environmental reinforcement. I'd be interested to know how many like of his lines are scripted and how many aren't. Me too. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe just he just shows up and like I'm here and it's enough. Yeah. Did Trisha Yearwood even tell him what to do or did he just know walk away? I also want to know if she handpicked him. And also, does she feel partially responsible for his fame now? Evidently, um, I was reading it and she didn't even she didn't even know he was in the music. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) 
Yeah. So yes. I love that. That's great. I do love that. I also uh, might wormhole Matthew McConaughey's hand commercial. I want to yes. know where. Let's yeah. see yeah. these hands. I'm interested. <laughs> And I like I love how he tooted his own horn in that little part where he's like, I've never bit my nails again. And I was like, Oh, good for you. Yeah. As I said over here biting mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we just want to talk a little bit about dad and then yeah, I feel stop like here? Quick... Like we're getting kind mm-hmm. of long, or what do you guys do you want to try to finish the whole thing? Oh fuck it. Let's just finish it. Okay. <laughs> Kayla, I'm giving you a lot of stuff to edit out. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to look for Matthew McConaughey's hands. <laughs> um I'll so make my part quick. So while filming yeah, I'll try I okay. Well this is pretty quick. <laughs> um while filming Dazed and Confused, uh about five days into shooting, he got a call from his mom that his dad had passed away. Uh he described the uh, receiving the news um just you know his knees buckled he couldn't believe it his dad was the abominable snowman he was an irremovable force a bear of a man and you know this viking this bull and it was impossible um how could you know his dad be dead there's nothing that could kill him nothing that could kill him except his mom and at that point my head started to spin and i was like okay kitchen knife 10 inch here we go again like they got into this like brawl uh nope turns out that matthew mcconaughey's father woke up feeling a little frisky and decided to make love to his wife and apparently sent himself into a heart attack oh. did inch, not another 10 inch ten- disaster oh, am I right? <laughs> whoa, whoa. Kayla. Sorry, that was all speculation. None of that would hold up in the court of law. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't even know. How do we come back from that? I don't even know. Gold stars for throwing. That was a perfect setup, and you really nailed it. I I sent the pitch, and she knocked it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just like Matthew McConaughey's mom did. Oh. Oh. I love it. Uh, so Matthew tries to, uh, or he go- ends up going home. On they had an Irish wake uh, two days after his uh, father passed, and um, he just kind of has this feeling of like, okay, you know, there's no more, no more safety, and you know, no one's above the law or the government uh, looking after me because he had all these, you know, feelings about his dad, and so it was this moment of like, all right, you know, true manhood now. And a realization came to him and he carved these words into a tree, less impressed, more involved. And so he, you know, said the sooner we become less impressed with our lives, our accomplishments, our careers, our relationships, and the prospects in front of us, with the prospects in front of us, soon we become less impressed and more involved. And that was kind of a big take away from his father's passing yeah we're not going to read man enough no again also can i'm just offended by how enough spelled agreed i can't i couldn't i was like why do we have to do it wrong that many times and i can't even say enough like that i gotta go (laughs) for for those of you listening it's e-n-u-f is how he spelled it why over and over it's literally like oh there's a cat sorry ADD Uh, (laughs) like at least 30 times yeah that he's written that so if you enjoy 
misspellings of the word enough please see page uh it's 112 in my book 113 in the virtual book all right enjoy enjoy lydia take us home all right so um after so a few days after his father's wake he returns to work to shoot um the rest of the movie days and confused um and he's talking with the director about life loss and like what it's all about and this is kind of where if i'm correct me if i'm wrong but like this is where we get his just keep living that he talks about in the book and why he he uh doesn't put a g on it um but he's talking with the director and um they are just talking about what what life means and matthew tells him that he thinks it's about living he says even though his that his dad is no longer here his spirit is still around and that uh matthew can still have him around him as long as um as long as he wants him to be there as long as he's you know talking to him and doing his best to live by what his dad taught him um, and so he kind of immortalizes that idea in a scene in the movie um, where the character Randall is deciding whether or not to sign a no drug pledge to be honest. <laughs> so, um, but he it says here in the book, um, just keep living lowercase because life is nobody's proper noun and there's no G on the end of living because life's a verb. And I like that. Honestly, like he's pretty insightful and I do appreciate that about him. Jesse, any apologies I, to give? Yeah, I'm sorry. I said it at the beginning. <laughs> I, re- I retract. I No, I don't retract my statements because at the time, that's how I felt. I still I'm don't. Fine. Yeah. I don't understand what like his, the explanation. There's no G on the end of living because life's a verb. I don't get it. I will say that part I didn't quite get, but I understood the, like, life is nobody's proper noun. Yeah, that's fine. I like that. that. I like, just don't, like, what is maybe he saying, when, like, we don't make an end, we're not putting an end on it? Because he's right that living is a verb. But I don't, you don't have to take the G off. It'll but there's, a verb. there's two ways of living, right? Like, there's like a... Uh, well, fuck. My brain just let go of that thought halfway when it came out of my mouth. <laughs> um, but I... <sighs> I don't... I mean, I can't... I get it. Where you're, like, living... Where you're just, like, you're going through the motions and then there, then you're living. Where you're, like, you're you're actually doing. And you're going out and living. doing. Yeah. yeah, like... Yeah, maybe, like, my plants over here are living. <laughs> They're alive. They're alive. But are they living? Fuck no, they're not living. I mean, maybe to a cactus it's living. But like <laughs> what's our our way of living? I don't know, guys. I don't know. This feels I'm, like a stretch, but I'm trying. It is a stretch. I'm gonna need somebody to um, We'll just, you know maybe we'll circle back to that one. Let's put a pin yeah. in it. Let's put a pin <laughs> in it. Let's put a pin in it. Cool. Okay, so he says that um, the time on this movie set made him a much more competent director when he returned to school. Um, and he like went on to you know work on some documentaries for school. Um, he, he acted in whatever he could, including Unsolved Mysteries and another music video, but we don't know which one. So he has a little uh, sticker in here that says, if... If you're not a starter and you think you should be, give them no choice in the decision. Play so well, it's undeniable. And I think that's awesome. 
And also, like, that's kind of what I tell Annalise when it comes to sports. Like, you have to, like, work really, really hard all the time to to show your coaches that you want to be there so that they play you and they and then you just continue to get better. Like, keep doing those things. I feel like there's a human coming in my closet. So um, sorry if I get background noise. So um, can everyone Google really quick Matthew McConaughey and Unsolved Mysteries? I'm sorry. You guys got to see this. No, hold on. But before we go down that route. Hold on. Those nails are uncomfortably long. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't Matthew know. McConaughey's hand. How do we know it's hand? real? That's How do we know? Hand. Because How that's his it? wedding ring. Okay. Look oh, at the ring. No. What does it okay, say? But there are some guys that keep their nails longer for my com- than, than like my comfort level allows <laughs> and um same that ring, would be better nails okay okay what was i googling again? i don't care man he is a good look matthew mcconaughey dude, and unsolved mysteries oh thank well, you he's a good looking dude but let's get the guy some nail clippers mm-hmm. file them you don't even got to clip he's, them just he's a them. man of the earth who needs clippers <laughs> the, the earth naturally files his nails <laughs> yeah yeah i suppose <laughs> all right so while you're looking i'll keep going so he has a plan to drive out to Hollywood, but but he also before he drives to Hollywood, he has a a one day um, job to be a guy riding. Uh, I can't talk. A guy riding a motorcycle at the beginning of a movie past Renee Zellweger, and then at the end of the movie to like take her out of town because she just survived um, the Texas Chainsaw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. But so he's okay. So he's all packed up because it's supposed to be a one day job and then he's leaving. So he has no place to live because his lease is gone. Everything's packed in this big U-Haul. But then he decides that he wants to try out for like Vilmer, which is the killer with a mechanical leg who controls it with a remote control that is missing, guys. (laughs) It's great. So anyways, he tries out for this role and... um, impresses the director so much that they give him the the job so now he has to crash at a friend's house for like a month or something it's a month um and you know so anyways he just talks about like how his trip out west will have to wait because he's got another role in a movie super exciting then we've got another sticker here. So it's called the genies in the steam people wonder how to make it in life First of kin with innate ability and a lot of hard work. Yes. But don't forget the steam, the undefined asterisk and intangible. Some call it juice. Some call it magic. The genie's in the magic. The magic's in the steam. So, I don't know. Take what you want with that one. Peyote in the desert. (laughs) There it is. There you go. I just thought about Aladdin. I know. I thought Christina Aguilera. Oh. <laughs> well that was another way to take it <sighs> you know wait uh, hold on why were we looking at matthew mcconaughey and unsolved mysteries just for like the shirtless images I, no you just no you gotta see it because yeah. it just looks hilarious yeah oh, i'm yeah, not into it funny. i looked it up i'm not i want to see it. that no i don't think he's hot i just think it looks funny <laughs> no I, all of the images that i'm seeing i'm just like what is wrong with him it, it like, is he killed in the episode is he the unsolved mystery yeah <laughs> <laughs> and what about What's going on what about his role as vilmer i want to see what it looks like in that too so i'll have to google 
totally. And then you and then you see the creepy guy that was the like host for Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, and I can't oh, get yeah. that like vision out of my head. He's scary. It's, well, yeah. I mean, it's a show about unsolved mysteries. What do you want? They're unsolved, though, that so why are they parts. scary? No one knows what actually happened. Yeah, that's terrifying. They could have ended happily. We just didn't know. They were just unsolved. Mm-mm. Haven't you ever seen that show? Uh, yeah. I've been really, like, trying to... So then we're going We're going in the wrong direction. I'm sorry. All right. I'll get us back on track. So you can do it, Lydia. Okay. Okay. So he's finally ready to head to Hollywood, right? So he's, he's driving. He's driving. And um, he takes the wrong exit. He assumes that Sunset Drive has to lead him to Sunset Boulevard, but it doesn't. So um, he's actually driving for, like, significantly more hours than he needs to be driving. Uh, finally arrives at his good old friend Don Phillips' house and uh, knocks on the door at it's like 10.30 at night. Nobody's answering. He's knocks, he knocks again. Um, and Don's like asking who it is. He says, it's Matthew. I finally arrived. And Don's like, yeah, um, can you come back later? He says, I got a little chippy in the back. I mean, I think we know what that means, but I've never heard anything referred to that way. Anywho, so he's like, no, I can't because like I'm, a, I'm tired and I've been driving for a, you know, a whole day. I just want to get inside. So um, Don opens the door naked, fully ready and erect to finish. His- <laughs> <laughs> I was going to offer erect for you, but thank you for saying it. <laughs> you know, I'm a big girl. I'm fucking... I can say it. And then um, he, he goes, all right, yeah, yeah, fine, but give me 20 minutes and shuts the door. And then Matthew's like, welcome to Hollywood. So he's there for um, a few weeks, staying with Don. Life is great. He gets to, like, eat and drink and hang out with Don, but he's not working, and um, that's making him antsy. He was supposed to start as a PA on this movie called The Hudsucker Proxy, but that job was delayed um, until, like, some point later in the year. So Matthew's very antsy to work. Um, one night he asks Don, you know, can you help me get an agent because I really need to work? And Don kind of, like, snapped on him, and he's like, this town will eat you alive if they know that you're needy. Don't ever let anyone in this town know that you need them. So, no, I won't. I want you to, like... He's like, he says, like, leave town until you're not needy anymore. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, he just told you he has, like, no money, but yeah, let's. Yeah, go town. spend the money you don't have. Come back when, yes. you're, when you're not needy. Like, that's yes. going to make you more needy, but okay. Yes. So uh, uh, um, a couple guys that Matthew had became friends with on Days and Confuse, um, Cole Hauser and Rory Cochran, they all decide that they will go to Europe for a month, rent motorcycles and ride. So they get backpacks, they scrounge up some cash and they head over to Amsterdam. Um, and then from there, they um, go to this place called Rosenheim, Germany, talk with a with a guy who owns a shop that will rent out bikes and kind of work out a deal with him because they don't have enough money for the cost um, to rent the bikes for a whole month. Um, but for some reason, this some reason, people just take a real liking to Matthew through life and just he always finds a way. So they work out a deal where um, they pay him less than what he is actually what he normally charges. But then his wife demands their like round trip air ferry tickets back as like insurance that they'll return with the bikes. So they do that. 
They ride around um, on the Autobahn. One of them actually totals a, one of the one of the bikes. They call the guy and he's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. Glad you're okay. I'll send a new one, and we'll pick up the 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 one that's totaled." Which I don't know how he always finds these things, but anyways, so that happens. They ride for like three weeks later or for three more weeks they return to the shop and um the guy's like tell me about your adventures so they like drink coffee with them and they hang out um and the guys are all grateful because it was just exactly what they needed it was an awesome trip at the end of it all matthew realizes he has not thought about needing an agent for that entire month so he's you know he's ready to return to hollywood because he's not needy he is exactly where Don wants him to be in his headspace to start working. So um, do you want me to read Dirt Roads and Autobahns? Or is that too long, too? It's not terribly long. I feel like it's kind of lengthy, though. Yeah, well, you guys, everybody everybody reading, just read it yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, but really, yeah. Yeah. Um, Can I just um, piece one thing together real quick? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know how in this chapter he talks about the guys that went with him? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Rip. And Rory Cochran. We know that's Rip, right? Yeah. Rip from Yellowstone? Yes. Fuck, oh, I love that. I still but, don't... Um, I haven't seen that. I don't watch Yellowstone, but I know who he is. Who God was, damn you know, it. Who what the fuck? Um, I can't. However, <laughs> I, I have loved Cole Hauser since Goodwill Hunting. So I loved him in that movie so much and I like became low-key obsessed with him. Doesn't my dog die in Goodwill Hunting? I've never watched it because I thought that. No. Goodwill Hunting is so so good. I've never watched it either, but not for not because of animal died. I just haven't watched it. I don't think a dog dies in that movie. Oh okay. Yeah I might have made all that up. That's <laughs> um yeah very possible. He did. He did. He did. That was my I'm also gonna first be- R rated movie oh, that I ever watched. Get I it, love girl. it. Oh <laughs> Get a girl. Uh, also going to piece something else together that I'm just going to put out there. And if it ends up being true, awesome. But if it's not, all right. Uh, so all right, all right. Matthew originally went to college to be a lawyer, kind of felt some pressure about that. Uh, Storyline of Yellowstone. Cole Hauser, Yellowstone. Like, where are these things coming from? You know, with the older brother, Jamie, has to be the lawyer. Like, mm-hmm. anybody else catch on to that? Come on. I haven't watched the show, so no. Same. Just me? But Just Kayla? You. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm like a pretty hardcore Yellowstone fan, but I guess I didn't put together that... Um, I just feel I like some of these conversations happen and Cole's like, hey, hear me out. I knew this guy one time that felt like he had to go to college to be his family's attorney <laughs> and then decided it wasn't that great of an idea. I feel like it could stick. This could be a good show. <laughs> and that it stuck. Cole, <laughs> tell me about it. Who's going to tweet that Cole like- to find out if that's real? Oh, God, here I we feel- go again. That's <laughs> all on ahead. you. Yeah, it's, I'm, yeah, I'm just again. saying. No story so- the story sound- started to sound oddly familiar. Hmm. <laughs> You might have something there. We'll see how it ends. I don't um, know. I need to say, the the people who were doing the bike renting, mm-hmm. the man, that is not a German I've ever met. I'm not saying I've met every German. Um, I lived there for some time. That is not a German I've ever met. They would never. They'd laugh in your fucking face if you're like, I have n- literally a fraction of the money you need from me. 
And then oh, they yeah, just but keep people. no. Didn't he s- say like he did this when he was young and he opened yeah. that shop in the hopes that like other guys like him could uh, enjoy Europe like this? So, yeah. yeah, like he wasn't in it to make money. The wife I related to. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. I was like, true. yes. The hairy oh. armpits. Tell yes. us. <laughs> that's uh, that's the part that specifically that I related to the armpits. <laughs> Nothing else. The hairy armpit lady. <laughs> Not the collateral. That obviously struck a chord at him because he remembers the hairy armpits. <sighs> I did ask the resident European about this exact situation because I also <laughs> questioned its validity. And Michael and- confirmed it was very european and i said how do you know to have <laughs> hairy armpits or to let people know the like <laughs> just the guy right well that yeah that i probably I both actually i'll go back and ask, i'll go back to confirm the armpits yeah but i was talking about important. the story circle back yes. please. circle back yes <laughs> i was talking about the bikes and, he, and then Michael also was very like, oh, were they riding Ducatis or BMW? And I'm like, how do you know? And he's like, these are all very European. And then I was just like, maybe maybe he does know something about being in Europe. I don't know. Weird. <laughs> Weird. Like he's from there. Thunk. Yeah. I'm always amazed European. how everything falls into place for Matthew McConaughey. Like, right? Everything just good luck. Yeah, like people just bend over backwards to help him. Like, are you that charming? Yeah. In real life, he's got to be. But like... Then you, but also it's like, is it luck or does he just live so unrestricted that, like, you know what I mean? I think about myself and like, oh, I can't do that. That's not smart. Like, that's not, right. you know, right. do you, do we stop ourselves from right. never the love air quotes? Right. Yeah. The privilege but, of so, an attractive white man. <laughs> With model-esque hands. Model-esque hands. Steely blue eyes. Yes. The blue, right? Something like that. Mm. I don't remember. I've looked at him like yeah. 13 times already this whole time, and I don't remember what his eye color was. <laughs> I was looking does. at his eyes. He was shirtless. Oh. I watched A Time to Kill and read the book probably before I should have, like realistically, age wise and content wise. <laughs> but I remember I only watched the movie because, like, he was in it. And I was like, I mean, I. Did you ever do that when you were little, like younger, you know, like you just watched yeah. a movie because like Leonardo DiCaprio was in it or something right. and it could yes. have been Time to Kill is a great movie, but like it could have been an absolute shit movie, but you watched <laughs> it just because the actor was hot. Yeah. Yeah. And that was Matthew McConaughey. I don't know where to, like. Yeah. What? Yeah. 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 Sorry. That's oh. not boy. I thought he, I've always thought. <laughs> he was, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, who? <laughs> who? What? I just never got on the Matthew McConaughey train because he always played like stoner, stoner, super dudes. I, I thought because of Dazed and Confused and like I did not think he was attractive in Dazed and Confused. I thought he was funny. Yeah, he's not attractive in that movie, but he is funny. No. Yeah. No. Anyway, I I think sometimes we I started to feel at the end of the part that like me personally, I logic myself out of luck. Mm. Like, cause I, I try to make everything logical and make sense and make smart and like be smart and fit in a box. And then I'm like, shit, I'm never going to have any luck. Cause I don't ever take any risks. I don't ever do anything that I question everything. So I was like, thank you, Matthew. I don't, I don't dislike you as much anymore. 